But you know what? You can go out and walk your dog instead of having that meeting that wastes time. You know what that's good for? It's good for you. It's good for the company because you're not wasting time. It's good for the community. It's good for the dog. How can you argue? No, I can't. It's, It's common sense, really. Hello and welcome aboard. Get ready for a new journey here at the Virtual Frontier. Great you're far on the way back to the show. And if you just joined recently, hit the subscribe button right away so you'll never miss new episodes. Today we are joined by Jody Thompson, a true advocate and activist for making work better. With her best-selling books, Why Work Sucks and How to Fix It, and Why Management Sucks and How to Fix That Too, She helped many people and hundreds of organizations around the globe to rethink the term of work and actually how to get the work done. I love her crystal clear way of communicating and her commitment to helping business leaders to focus on results only, forgetting about all the nonsense bullshit that is surrounding us day in and day out. But hear for yourself how to take back control over your work, start working the system and stop controlling people. Hello, Jody. Welcome to the Virtual Frontier. I'm really happy to have you here on the show. Finally, we got together. Um, before we start the show off and the conversation, maybe for our audience, um, you can give us a little introduction. Who's Jody and what, what you're doing? Thank you so much, Daniel. It's great to be here. Uh, my name is Jody Thompson, and I am the author of the book, Why Work Sucks and How to Fix It, and another book, Why Managing Sucks and How to Fix It. Um, I am the CEO of Culture RX, and what we do is we are helping organizations all over the globe um, move into a results-only work environment or role. So that is the future of work. So I'm excited to talk about it today. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. And those two book titles got my attention in the first place uh, while seeing you in some comments of my LinkedIn feed. And I say, okay, this is uh, something I have to follow up. And here we are today. Um, Jody, maybe to kick it off, um, what, what you see has changed in the last, we can say, two years right now um, in, in the whole workspace, um, going from home office, remote, hybrid, whatever you want to call mm-hmm. it. And um, yeah, what, what, what has changed in the workplace in general and maybe what has changed in, in your work uh, as you have uh, advocated for this kind of uh, work? I was just checking today uh, in a video in at least since 2008 or nine. <laughs> so you're like also a veteran in this, in this area. Yes. You know, people think that a lot has changed. They think that because people got to work, got to work from home over the last couple of years, that all of a sudden organizations are going to be more open to working in different ways. But what's actually happened is that we've gotten more vigilant about controlling where people work from and when they work. Now, what's interesting is before the pandemic, everybody was in the office, pretty much 2% of people worked remotely. Then the pandemic hit and everything seemed to shift where people were working remotely or whatever you want to call that. And we see that people can get work done. 
But what's happening right now across the globe is everybody's trying to figure out how to get people back in the office. So what has changed? Nothing's changed. We're still managing people. We're yep. still managing location and time. So nothing has changed. Yep, yep, yep. That's that's what I also see, and I have this this question may, maybe later on, but um, well, well, maybe I put it right away. When is it has nothing has changed? Why 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 there is so such a big resistance all around this um, uh, change at, and at all from from the company side maybe in the first place? Where you think um, maybe probably spending thirty um, percent of my time in in, in wasting time in meetings, um, mm -hmm. managing people where where they are and when they're doing their work isn't probably the most effective way, but we still keep doing the same shit. Yeah, <laughs> but, <right>. <laughs> <laughs> Why? <laughs> I don't well, get behind it. I, after two years. <laughs> you know, we keep doing the same thing because there's a lot of deeply held beliefs about how work should get done and the role of a manager. And so what's surprising to me is people are trying to help managers today manage the remote workforce. I don't think we knew how to manage the workforce when it was all in the office. Mm. If you're uncomfortable as a manager that you don't know if your people are working or not, how did you know they were working when they were in the office? It looked like work. They showed up. They went to the water cooler. They sat in their cube. They went to a lot of meetings. And that looked like work. But were they really actually getting the results they needed to get for their job? We don't know. When I go into workshops today and I ask, You know, how many of you are crystal clear about the measurable results you need to achieve? I get about 20% that believe they know what they're doing. The other 80% are like, I'm not really that clear. So what we have to do today is we have to stop focusing on work location and work time as a measure of work and start getting really crystal clear with people about what the actual work is and how to measure it. People don't want flexibility. People want complete control over their time. That's autonomy. They want to decide every day where to work from and when to work. But we're all uncomfortable with that because we're not crystal clear about our measurable results. If we were, we could collaborate and work together from anywhere every single day. That's the future, autonomy and accountability. What do you think uh, about the, the, the accountability while working on the, this? This lies heavily on, on each individual in, in the workplace, in, in, I would say in the first place, but also on, on the employer side to make, to clarify what we're going to be, on, on what we're going to be accountable. Um, but how, how we can figure out that on the way and shifting, shifting from this narrative uh, where we are and right now to a new one where we really focus on, on their accountability and give the people the, the autonomy they need? Well, the, you know, as a manager, the first question you should ask yourself is, is everybody on my team crystal clear about the expectations in terms of results? Not expectations in terms of work time or where I show up or any of that. Are my people crystal clear about the measurable results they need to achieve? And if, I'm, if I say to myself, I don't really know if they're clear. That's where you need to start. Not with, oh, well, I know I just feel like collaboration's better when everybody's in the office. It's 20, almost 2022. Mm. 
we have been collaborating for the last two years in all different locations. So why do we think people can't collaborate? People collaborate when they need to to get work done. But if they're not clear about the work, they just sit in senseless meetings all day long. They've been doing it all year, Zoom meetings all day long and still are not clear. But they do know that they need to show up for meetings. That's, they check that box off. Hmm. We have to move past that. We have to move past that and start talking about the work, not work location. You know, I think it's interesting how we have to label everything. So yeah, before, we're all in the office, right? Now we have to talk about anybody not in the office as a remote worker or a teleworker or a flexi worker or, you know, there's all these weird names. And it's just work. If oh. I'm in the office and somebody's on a different floor than I am, we're remote. Unless you're right next to somebody, we're remote. Everybody's remote. So we need to stop labeling it. Stop labeling the location and just call it the work. It's just the work. That's just uh, an interesting perspective. Like removing those labels uh, will be, uh, I guess, a really helpful step uh, forward. It. Yeah. It's really helpful, but it's so difficult because yes, we want to we want to label it something. And we don't really say office worker. We label everything that isn't the office. Mm. So that is a signal to say, well, the real work happens in the office, but then we have to do something different for these remote workers. You know, we have to, we have to think about them in a different way. Why? It's just work. Communicate, communicate clearly, get clear on measurable results, and you can stop worrying about what time did Daniel start working today? Or how mm. long did he work? Or is he on his computer right now? Or do I need to get spyware in his house to make sure oh, yes. that he's always sitting at his workstation? Mm -hmm. That's controlling people, not managing work. And I think this, get, this gets even uh, just as you mentioned, the, the video meetings and everything and people are a lot of companies have tried to just shift this, uh, what they did before in the office, uh, now to the remote space. And I guess this having like 10 Zoom meetings per day is even more mm -hmm. stressful than uh, attending maybe 10 meetings in, in the office, right? Um, right? Because you have this this uh, screen uh, uh, pressure and everything is like just on, on, on the screen itself mm -hmm. and you get just more tired in, on that, right? Yes, I agree. I think there's the fatigue of all the Zoom meetings and all the... Yeah you know, this kind of um, interaction. But I think when you layer on top of it wasted time, people really get stressed out. When mm. they know they're wasting their time and wasting their life on things that don't matter, it's very distressing for people. Oh, yes. And before, when people would go into the office, they just kind of said, well, this is just the way it is. But then they got into their homes and they went, wait a minute, it's, it's even getting worse. And mm. now you're asking me to do this hybrid thing. Three days in the office, two days at home. I've had it. I'm done. I'm done. And so yeah, people, mm -hmm. are, people are opting out. They're just saying, I'm not going to do it. It's, it's not creating an, an equitable experience for people. And what I mean by that is we all have different needs in the way we work. And we're trying to make it equal for everyone. Three days in, two days out. Okay, that's fair. It's equal for everybody. But mm. it's not 
it's not creating an equitable experience. So it says, I have different needs than somebody else. We need to um, give people the opportunity to choose the best way each day to be most effective and efficient without asking permission, without having to tell everybody where you are. I mean, we're all on planet Earth. Get over it. Mm. That's where we are, planet Earth. We have technology. Let's use it the Com right way. Yeah, communicate clearly. And as a manager, you can flip yourself to being a coach. Mm. You're a coach. You're coaching a team. You're not managing the people. Mm. You're coaching them to be really good at achieving results in concert with each other. That's your job. Not monitoring how many keystrokes they're taking every day. Mm -hmm. That's a really hard shift to make because we're used to managing people over the last, you know, seven or eight decades. That's what we've done. We've managed people. We tell them when to come in, when to have lunch, and when to go home. Yep. We're still doing that. We're still doing it. So people are starting to just opt out. Yep. And, and and probably not not just opt out, but I what, what I see also in 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 a lot of comments and posts and, and articles um, that especially women are are suffering from from this uh, um, approach in, in the last couple of years, right? Um, because mm -hmm. right now they they have not just to attend uh, work, but also mm -hmm. home. Maybe the kids are not in school or not regularly or whatever co uh, consolation we have there, but they have to bear the the much more difficult part in, in this right? and, and right. How, how, how we can give them a chance to really like do their work in which they're probably very good and uh, but at the times they they need to do uh, or they can do it um between jingling the household or or, or managing work and uh, the kids whatever it, it, uh, it comes right right i think it's it's been really difficult for families over the last yeah. couple of years and i think yeah. the difficulty lies in interruptions right we get interrupted a lot when we have the family at home we could have kids that are interrupting us when we're on zoom calls or whatever that looks like mm. and those interruptions are distressing but the same thing was happening in the office so you go in the office to try to get work done and every five minutes you get interrupted by somebody who wants to chat about the weekend or you know whatever that is so we're, Help we're me out, please. <laughs> yeah, we're just we're just stressed out by that. And I, I think that when people are trying to do the work at a time that works best for them, and they can do that, like maybe at a different time of the day or the evening or whatever that looks like, but they're put into this box of core hours or core business hours where they're they're fighting the time clock, the interruptions. You know, they have to do research, re recess with their kids. And there's just all this, this stuff getting in the way, it feels like. When you give people autonomy and accountability and you're clear about the work and they are free to do whatever they need to do with their whole life, as long as they get the work done, they can manage it better. They can manage the things that they need to do every day and want to do every day because when somebody else is managing that for you, it never works. I'm the one that can manage my time. I'm the one that can figure out when the best time is for me to do the work. And if you, Daniel, if you communicate to me clearly what you need and when you need it, I can plan. I can plan better if I know that. But if you and all of everybody else on the team 
emails me with an ASAP, as soon as possible, do this as soon as possible. What does that mean? Five minutes, 10 minutes, an hour, two days? We have to get really clear with each other so that everybody can plan and everybody can live the life they, they want to live without the pressure of, you know, the hybrid policy. Mm. Putting you right back into a box. First, you're in the work office all the time, box. Now you're at home all the time, box. Now you're going to put me in the other box, three and two. It's just like, get rid of the box. Just get rid of it. Get rid of it. Focus on results. However, the, the, the reality just seems to me like right now a little bit different if you look at the high uh, disengagement rates. Uh, mm-hmm. some, someone called it already the great resignation. So many mm-hmm. people are leaving around the world, not just in the US. Um, their jobs right now. So what, what, what is missing? What we do need? Um, or where, where to start really with that? Uh, and maybe you can tell me a little bit about the experience you have uh, um, got over the last year uh, or the last years in, in your work, um, helping companies to shift from the one to the another thing in, in, in work uh, and being better at that, what you're doing. Yeah. And I can talk about that. I want to say first, though, there's, there's yeah. been a lot of research lately about, well, Gallup, for instance, did a survey, at, does surveys on employee engagement. and Employee engagement, 70% of employees are disengaged or actively disengaged. And it costs billions of dollars. And so my question is, what are we doing wrong? Like we have all these programs to make people feel better and happier and all the workplace is trying to drive engagement. But we're, we're focusing on the wrong thing. The bottom line is people want to have control over their time, period. They want to be able to take care of everything in their life in a way that makes sense. So it runs up against the idea that people should be in the office to collaborate and we do better when we're face-to-face and all those beliefs. So what we do with organizations is we go in and we shift the mindset of the, the system, everybody in the system. We shift the mindset. You can't just say to people, you know, oh, don't worry about where people are. They can't do it. You have to go through a complete shift in your mind to not even care about that anymore. Hmm. So it's culture change, but it's not driven by policy. It's driven by the behaviors of people um, self-correcting each other after we take them through training. So what we're doing, Daniel, is removing the idea that I have to know where you are every day. We're removing the idea that um, if you're not working between eight and five, you're not getting your work done. Not true. We have to take that out of our heads. And we have a way that we rewire people to remove some of those things that are the barriers to autonomy and accountability. So our organizations are on a journey. They start with training. We rip the Band-Aid off. We expose the craziness and then we fill it in with something that's contemporary and then they have to practice that over time until they get to a point where they go, wow, this isn't like anything else. 
organizations that are certified results only work environments did not have any trouble when the pandemic hit. Not, they didn't even blink an eye because they weren't controlling people. Mm. So people made their choices. It was like, okay, well, we have a pandemic. Um, I'm not going in the office. I can get my work done right where I am. I don't have to ask permission. I'm already doing that. So they didn't have to have new policies and new procedures and, and all of that stuff. They just business as usual. No, there has to be safety protocols for people in offices, and we understand that. So if I choose to come into an office, I'm going to be, I wear a mask and, and do the things that are recommended based on where the pandemic is. But nobody's telling me. I'm not asking permission. I just do my job. Period. I had a couple of CEOs call me um, when the pandemic hit, like six months into it, and they said, Jody, why is everybody going crazy? And I no, said, because, because their mindset has not, they haven't shifted that mindset yet. Yeah, yeah, they're right. still controlling people. And when they feel like they're losing control of the people, it's very um, stressful on managers because they had them in a nice box, everybody in the office and a little bit of flexibility and one teleworker there, here and there. But now they've lost control. But in a results-only work environment, you're always in control of the work, of not the, the work. people yeah. of that's the work. The yeah. And I think that's the only thing you can really have control of. Uh, right. Not, 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 not the work, uh, not the people instead of the work, right? Yeah. Because anything else is just an illusion. Right? In the same right. it was for in a cubicle in the office, uh, you thought maybe they are working or the team is working, but he, he or she could do anything else in, on her screen or on her phone, but uh, not Correct. working. Correct. Yeah, mm. it, it looks like work when you're sitting in a queue. That looks like work. Is it work? Mm -hmm. Now, it doesn't look like work if you're walking your dog. No. But guess what? Your brain doesn't shut off. Like my brain is always going and I'm thinking of stuff and other people are too. But if you're walking your dog, that, that, looks, that doesn't look like work. Even if you're working in your head. So, so we, we have those artifacts that we look at to say, this looks like work and this doesn't. But if we focus on results and the results are happening, and we agree what they need to be, then walking your dog or sitting on a beach or, you know, exercising at 10 in the morning, none of that matters. Because you're not watching that. You're watching the work happen. It's, it's such a liberating experience um, to let go of the notion that we have to know where everybody is all the time. Yep. We don't do that on the weekend. You know, it's just, it's, it's, um, it's time for a bigger change than, than hybrid. Hybrid work is just another iteration of flexibility control. That's all it is. It's just controlling us in a different way. Time and yeah. location. What do you think what needs to change for, um, on, on company side or, um, organization side to really enable people inside the organization to have the right amount of authorization um, to build up on that and, and, and then have like also this, this, this uh, autonomy um, inside my, inside my, the, my work, what, what I'm doing, when I'm doing that, 
like from the structural side, what, what needs to change there? Um, how can, how can an organization go for it? Well, first of all, it's, it can't be driven by policy. Mm. So when organizations work with us, they go through a mindset shift, which changes how they look at everything. So let's say I wanted to reduce my real estate footprint. And before I might say, well, I'm going to reduce it 40%. And I'm going to have these people in the office and these people not. And then we're going to switch around and then we're going to do hybrid. And they, they orchestrate all of that. But when you go into a results-only work environment and shift your mindset, how you think about space changes. It's not that you don't need an office, but it's setting a goal of 40% less office space is only how far you'll go if that's what you choose. But if you start focusing on results, you might, not, you might only need 30% of your office space. You don't know. But you're trying to fit it into an old, old way of thinking. So organizations are trying to solve a lot of things, Daniel. Attraction, retention, um, how to manage the mobile workforce, right? Engagement. Um, they're, they're trying to solve for a real estate, all of these things, and they're doing it by a la carte methods. Policy here, policy there, policy here, policy there. But if you set a foundation, a, fo a cultural foundation of autonomy and accountability, that stuff starts to take care of itself. You don't have to have 50 more programs. You don't have to teach me how to do time management. You don't have to you know, teach me some of those things that I can take care of as an adult myself. Mm. And so you take a lot of the clutter out of the system. And it's, really, it's, it's better for business because people achieve better results. We've seen that over and over. It's better for people because they can live a better life and it's better for communities because people are not shifting out of the community all day and back in at night and out of the community all in at night. There's a different kind of um, connection in communities when you're not driven by having a time clock be your master. Yeah. You have actually an, an opportunity to start connecting to the people and things you really want to connect to. I love it when organizations say, oh, well, we're a family. No, you're not my family. <laughs> you're not. Okay. You force me to be with you all day long, but that doesn't mean you're my family. You're my coworker. You're somebody that I interface with to get work done. My family is my family. Right. Yeah. You, you just mentioned before uh, something about... Um... Working, working with uh, adults and, and also with gr grown-up people. And I think this is uh, a really important uh, uh, aspect of this conversation. Um, because if you want to have autonomy and uh, work, out, um, work on your own, you need to have first grown-up people in, in your team um, or in your organization. And I feel we, we, ha we haven't treated people in the past uh, um, like as adults. We, we shifted maybe from this patriarchal, uh, authoritarian, yeah. uh, uh, sh we shifted to something paternalistic, but this is still not uh, like the real uh, holy grail, right? This is uh, still something between because we are still caring about children. Um, right. So, so how we yep. get to this shift and, and um, also the people when we treated them always like as children, um, 
how can they grow up on their own? Because this is, this is some also gap we have to close, right? Absolutely. I, I always say, if you're going to treat adults like children, they're going to act like children. Uh-huh. They're going to try to break the rules. They're going to try to get around the rules. They're going to com- compete, compete against each other to get around the rules. There's all that tension in an organization. And there's something that we like to call sludge. It's when people judge other people about how they spend their time. It's childish. I wish I could leave at four o'clock every day. You know, stuff like that. And, and did you see Daniel? Like he, he came in late again. I wish I had kids and could just come in whenever I want. And so this kind of language is childish. It's playground. And when we set up a system where people have to compete and try to break through those rules and are treated like they can't make adult decisions on their own, they act like children. And guess what? Adults will step up to the plate if you give them autonomy and accountability. They will step up to the plate. We've seen it in every company we've worked with hundreds of companies, hundreds of teams all over the globe for the past 15 years. And it's sad because people say, well, I don't know, you know, some of my people, you know, they just need more, you know, supervision. No, they Mm. don't. If they need that much supervision, maybe they shouldn't be working for you. If you have adults in your workplace and you treat them like adults, they step up to the plate. And they stop competing against each other. And what they do instead is they work together instead of competing. Do you think as an organization, I, 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 I do need to be patient in this process? Because I guess this is not something that you change from one day to another. Yes, absolutely patient. It's not a flip of a switch. Where a lot of times policies flip a switch, they say, this is what we're going to do starting June 1st. But with the results-only work environment, it, it grows and evolves over time. Once you set the new mindset, then we support people in making the change through time. It takes about six months to really feel like, okay, we're really starting to gel in this mindset. Work still gets done during the change, but the change is so profound, people need time to go through it. And that's where we offer a lot of support to companies and teams so that we can help them sort of get over the baggage of the 20th century that's holding everybody back. But yeah, it does take time. And patience. Mm-hmm. Maybe just to dig a little bit deeper in that, what does uh, like this real transformation look like um, from the result side? And, um, well, you just mentioned a little bit about time, time frame, um, up to six, up to six months. Um, but what changes we can really see on the other side, um, when we come, when you come out of that? Well, you know, there's, there's a lot of changes. So organizations today are measuring a lot of different things. They're measuring, you know, engagement, number one, productivity. I'm not doing that very well. I think it's hard to measure that in some situations. They're measuring attraction, retention. They're measuring a whole bunch of things in their dashboards. And what the results-only work environment does is it, and we've seen this when we go in and do pilot teams, is the pilot teams outpace the rest of the organization in in 90% of the measures. So they start operating on a higher plane of being more responsible, more accountable, clearer 
Um, they don't want to leave the organization. They want to do better work. So there's all these things that start to happen that we, we envision, but we don't know how to get there. Mm. Again, I mean, I've said this a million times, but you can't, you can't, you know, put in a policy and expect that to happen. So what happens for business is they start to um, see waste being removed from the system. People start getting more energy and motivation. They become more engaged. They start to collaborate more effectively. Meetings drop off calendars. They start to take out meetings that aren't a good use of anybody's time. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And so when that starts to happen, we're seeing huge gains. We have one organization that received 30 times their return on investment, 30 times when we implemented the results only work environment in one measure alone, 30 times their return. It changes everything in the way that you see the world and things around you when you stop measuring work by the currency of time and location. That doesn't mean people don't go somewhere to do work, but that's not what you're talking about. So it's, it expands an organization's opportunity. We've seen uh, one organization grew their top line 100% in less than five years. Mm. That's huge top line growth. Um, cost savings, less paper usage, not driving as much, better for the planet. And people start to get around this and they're excited about it because they're doing it in concert with each other, not being told how to do it, but being clear about the outcome and being able to have the autonomy to do it in a way that's optimized for every single person. That's an equitable workforce. Every single person optimizes, and then together, better work happens. Right, right, right. It's hmm. not, you're not going to get that with hybrid. Not going to happen. No. And, and as it, maybe we can talk uh, about um, what, what happens when um, all these uh, meetings, this wasted time, uh, dis- disappear, are uh, disappearing. Um, as you just mentioned, this is a huge uh, um, time factor and, and mm-hmm. also cost, right? Um, maybe, maybe you can uh, what, what we do what we do to, to reduce them and what can be uh, done to get get there really fast. Okay, so when we um, do our little unscientific polls, we ask people how much time do you spend in, in unproductive meetings during the oh. week? Yeah, and yeah. they report 30 to 100% of their time is wasted in unproductive meetings. Now, when you have to fill time, you know, you have to work your eight hours or nine hours or whatever the time frame is, you fill it. If you have a lot of meetings, it fills it up. But when you start to own your time, you don't want to go to those meetings that waste time. So here's what happens. A meeting organizer sends out a meeting invite. And you look at it and you go, What's the outcome? How can I prepare for this meeting? Do we really need to have the meeting at all? Is there something we can do to not have the meeting and just pass information across to each other? So people start to ask questions and they question that time spent. Is this the best way for us to get whatever we need to get done done? And we found that people, when they start to have the 
the freedom to start asking those questions instead of just getting an invite and accepting it and accepting it and accepting it without even critically looking at it. That's why we're in meetings all day long. I have hardly any meetings. I have like five in a week, and that's a lot. Because yeah, I don't I need them. I don't huh. need a meeting necessarily to brainstorm with people. I can brainstorm through, you know, texting and other ways. I can send out an email and say, give me your idea on XYZ by 2 o'clock on Tuesday, and I get a bunch of ideas. So there's different ways to do work. And so in order to decrease your meetings, start ask, look at the meeting. If you feel in your gut like it's a waste of time, it is. So ask the meeting organizer, what is the outcome we're trying to achieve with this meeting? What is my role in the meeting? And what do I need to do to prepare so that we can be efficient and effective in the meeting? And if they can't answer those questions, decline. Let me know if there's something you need from me, but without an outcome and without my role and without prep, I don't see a use for this meeting. And you know what's interesting? When every person in the entire team or entire organization has that same mindset, they don't feel bad about those questions. They go, oh, yeah, we don't need this meeting. Exactly. Yeah, they don't feel like they're attacked. They feel like, you're, I'm glad you asked me those questions because when I really think about it, we actually don't need the meeting. Reoccurring meetings are the worst. When you have reoccurring meetings, it's, you fill time. Every week, we're going to have a project update meeting. And then you, everybody gets in there and they go around one by one and they say what they did that week. What a waste of time. We have so many ways to, you know, see how the work is progressing without reverting back to a time when we didn't have any technology. All we had was dial phones and everybody had to come in an office because we couldn't talk to people in any other way. So reoccurring meetings are um, drop off significantly in a results only work environment because they're not necessary. If you need to meet with somebody, get really clear about why so that they can buy into it and attend. Wouldn't it be great to have less meetings? Oh, I, I'm completely agree, but I'm right? al already I'm already on your side. What you just mentioned, I, I probably have like four to five meetings per week, right. and the rest is done. I also agree. So I, I I'm really Good. pretty about all of, all the people that are uh, still uh, spending so much time, wasting so much time in meetings where they really most often don't know what 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 or why they're attending the meeting. Right, and uh, that's yeah, that can that can be removed really it's easily. It's exhausting and inviting yeah. ten people to a meeting, fifteen people to a meeting. Oh, no. uh, you uh, know, it's just why it's a time filler because yeah, we uh, don't know what else to do. But you know what? You can go out uh, and walk your dog instead of having that meeting that wastes time. You know what that's yeah. good for? It's good for you. It's good the for the brain. company because you're not wasting time. It's good for the community. And it's good for the dog. Yeah. How can you argue? No, I can't. It's, it's common sense, really. What I have uh, experienced in my, in my daily work, uh, if you work with teams where there is a, a big uh, awareness about the, the 
the pressures of time and everything around that and, and about the value. Um, I have the meetings then now right in this, uh, in this constellations where people are inside the meeting and they feel the moment when the meeting is finished. And they say, okay, the meeting now is finished. Mm -hmm. Even if we have like 15 or 20 minutes left for the slot, right? They say, right. okay, everything is done. Let's go and, and, and tackle the work, right? Uh, and, and that's, that's what I really love to see when, when people are really aware about their time, uh, about when things are really done and having clarity, most importantly, and, uh, on what, what they're doing and what they need uh, as a result out of the meeting. Yeah, I, I think that's great. I mean, we, we all know when we're done. Sometimes mm -hmm. the meeting five minutes in, we know we're done because it's yes. not even a good use of our time. But if it is a good use of your time, be done when you're done. Exactly. Instead of feeling, you know, I notice people, they'll um, either in the beginning or the end of the meeting, they'll fill it up with, let's all go around the room and talk about what we did this weekend. <laughs> no, if I want to talk to you about my weekend, I will make that decision. I'm an adult. I don't want to sit here for the next 20 minutes listening to everybody's weekend. Mm -mm. But it's, it's interesting how we think these kind of things build teams. It's, it's actually, in a lot of cases, more irritating than it is helpful. We as human beings know how to connect to each other. We know how to talk with each other. We know how to make friends. We did it in kindergarten. We know, already know how to do that. No. So don't, don't make me sit around and play childish games. I have work to do and I have a life. Exactly. And I'm going to go do that. Jody, what, from your perspective, what do you think, what will the future or the near future of work will look like in probably two or three years? And what will we have, um, learned or understood and also implemented like seeing it in the retrospective from from <laughs> from now <laughs> well i think in the interim term the next two to three years many organizations are going to move into the hybrid work environment they're going to mm. call it innovative and they're going to call it the future it's just more of the same it's no nothing different other organizations and we're seeing this right now daniel is that more organizations are realizing that that's not going to work because people are leaving. They're not getting the talent. They have a lot of job openings and people don't want to work there. So they're going to say, what, what is the actual curb jump here? Like what's going to change the game? So, you know, fortunately we've had a lot more companies, large companies reaching out to us in the last probably four months that mm -hmm. I would have never expected across the globe. And they're wanting to do, they they're wanting to pilot the results only work environment because they're realizing as they're, they're putting on their happy faces and telling everybody how great hybrid is, people are going, no, uh, I don't want to work here anymore. Or I'm just exhausted from it. My uh. life is too important. So I'm, I'm hoping that we'll, we'll go through this phase. A lot of companies will do hybrid. They'll, more like most likely end up with 90% of their people back in the office being controlled during core hours and nothing will have really changed. Other organizations across the globe are going to be the leaders in creating a, an equitable workplace with autonomy and accountability and powered by the results only work environment. 
So we'll see how that goes. The more companies that get involved in the results-only work environment, we'll have more, um, more to show, really, about the, what the future looks like. Jolly, um, thank you so much for, for the conversation and uh, now. Um, how, how could uh, companies or um, people in general uh, reach out to you, get to know more about your work, what you're doing, uh, where, where are you doing it? Um, so probably we can um, help them out. Yep. Well, they can visit us at goro.com, G-O-R-O-W-E.com, goro.com. Go to the contact page and you can reach out to us right there and we will get back to you. We will do. We will link that also in the show notes so uh, people can just uh, click on it and uh, go for it. Great. Jody, thank you very much for your time and uh, um, all the insights from you and uh, your long experience in this field of work. And let's hope that uh, we get to this uh, new narrative of just getting the work done. <laughs> yes, thank you so much. It was a pleasure to be here. Thank you so much. Thank you for your time. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Back we are from an exciting journey into Jody's world of work. You see, often the small things can make a huge difference. Work could be so much more productive and fulfilling on all levels if you would start off by asking the right questions in the first place. We hope you found this session helpful and you can keep asking more questions around the issue of how to make work better. What have you missed in this episode? How can we do better? What are the questions that keep your pretty mind busy? Let us know in the comments and reviews. And as always, before you leave, hit the subscribe button, give us a thumb up and share this episode around with your friends and colleagues. Your action helps us to grow. On behalf of the team here at the Virtual Frontier, I want to thank you for listening. So until the next episode, keep exploring new frontiers.